You're listening to Literally, the podcast where you literally get a complete behind the scenes peek at a one-on-one business coaching relationship and the transformation that unfolds over the course of six months. I'm your host, Lacey Seitz, business mentor and success coach and the founder of A Lit Up Life. These are recordings of actual coaching sessions with one of my clients where you get to experience her journey right along with her and gain insight into building your own lit up life and the business that you desire. Oh my gosh, you guys, Angie is bringing the depth and the conversation to session two. I'm so excited for y'all to listen to it. I feel like we cover some really, really valuable topics from the focus of your business as it's growing from like, how do you deal with all of these giant visions and projects and how do you bring them to life to shame over investments that didn't work out to permission to be mad and feel feelings around that. There is so much good stuff here. So I'm really excited for you to dive into session two. I am feeling like if this is how we are starting out season eight, there is going to be so much here for everyone listening. So excited for y'all to get to listen. Cool. All right. We're rolling. How you doing? I am doing good. Doing a lot better than last week. Good. I'm like feeling like we're getting to the bottom of something, right? Like, yeah. I feel like there's a lot, but I feel like you and I are both in base camp. We're like, oh, it's pretty clear why you're feeling the way you're feeling, right? I was writing the list of things that somebody could help me with. And I actually cried at the end yeah. of it. I was like, oh, yeah, you did do a lot of things in the last three months, didn't you? Yes. When I read your, you know, brain dump doc kind of thing, I got to the end and I was like, oh my God, I like, I have to take a deep breath for a second. Like, no wonder you're feeling, you know, consumed really. Right. Because there is so many irons that you have in the fire, which I think like, you know, on the one hand, I think you really want to give yourself credit for. I feel like something that you said a lot in the document that I really liked is that you kind of were like happy. I forget what the word you used. It starts with an M, but it's not coming to me. I think muddled or maybe like muddled along or something like that. But yeah, I probably said muddled. Yeah. You were like, you were saying that about a couple things or quite a few things. But what I liked about that is like, it demonstrated how much of a willingness you have to like try things, to figure them out, to like get them Mm. off the ground, to get them going. And I think that's so the kind of like foundation of us entrepreneurs in many ways. But I also think it makes sense why like your business isn't at a place where you kind of have the freedom, let's say, to do mm. all of that because you're in delivery and stuff. So I think it mm. it both is something to like really give yourself credit for that you sort of like have that willingness, but it's also something to like temper the willingness mm. a little bit more, right? Yeah. I mean, it, it's really helpful to me to just write down some of the things that you asked me to do. So the list of jobs that somebody could help me with, immediate tasks, what I noticed, and you probably noticed, I went straight into the, like, this is the vision. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, wow, the discomfort even in enlisting the small things and not being able to see what they are felt really apparent. Really, It was really obvious in that task. And then when I did write down some of the tasks that somebody else could do I kind of felt like oh I'm almost in my head a year into business Mm -hmm. and thinking I should still be doing all the things and even though my income may have changed there's something about 
like nobody tells you the rule on when the time is to start hiring people yes. or like when you need to step out of this thing. Well, people do say it, but it seems like I still think, oh, I've just been doing it for three and a half years. So, you know, I, I'm not established enough to do that. So that was really interesting just to witness. So something that I feel like is important context here for what we're talking about is remember last time we were kind of saying to Angie, okay, like make a list of some of the stuff you just like day to day need to get off your plate, that kind of stuff. And she actually made this big list of all these really big projects she has going on in her business right now versus the really small tasks. And so then we kind of went back and we're like, okay, well, let's like look at some of the smaller tasks too. But what I really want to say here is like, it can be so hard to hand off the day to day when you're a visionary, because that's where your brain goes in your business, right? Angie is totally a visionary. And so when we think of like team or delegation, like that's where her brain is going to go, right? It's going to go to these big projects, the vision, the ultimate kind of goal. And so then translating that to like, oh, okay, well, I'm giving someone, you know, access to my email provider to send a weekly email to my list or something can be so hard <laughs> for your brain to compute. And this is where it's kind of really helpful to just have support that's sort of opposite to you in some of that. I am personally like very much more like a small task, like next step sort of person in terms of like how I operate and think. And so I usually see that a lot of my clients are more big visionaries than me. And that kind of combination can work really well or potentially the opposite. If you're sort of like a, I'm just like, you know, head on the ground, just looking at the next step kind of thing, then sometimes it is helpful to have support that pulls you into that big vision in a different way than you normally would. And so just wanting to know that, especially if you're that visionary thinker, it can be really hard to hand off the day-to-day, -day, but getting support in that is really helpful. And also not making yourself wrong for having that big vision, but also knowing that sometimes we have to ground that, we have to land that plane, and we have to get the small tasks off our plate first before we can even begin to take the steps toward that vision. And that feeling of muddling along is also really at odds with my desire for excellence all the yeah. time. So there's this kind of constant, oh, I'm not doing it right. And which means I can tell myself that things are never good enough because I'm also telling myself that we're just muddling along. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. It's almost like it gets to be a little bit of the excuse sometimes because yeah. it's like, oh, that's like that because it's just that, right? Instead of yeah, like, oh, no, exactly. like we have like three things we're bringing excellence to. It's like we are muddling along in 12 or something yeah. like that, right? Yeah. And then I really noticed when I was filling in the form for the session today that I was writing about mindset and I realized that... <laughs> I've been doing because I kind of smashed together different yes. practices so I was like at one point I was doing something from the life coach school and like then it, then it's just basically like years of listening to different people and putting different things together and coming up with my own set of journaling tools and then I found Mel Robbins you know sort of an approach that she has and I realized that I've been doing that really diligently like five things every day that you really want to accomplish. So I, of course, go, well, I want to write a book and I want to, you know, rule the world. And I want, yes. and then I go five things towards that every day. And there's no, it's not like the same five things every day. So in 35 days, I've got then suddenly tens of different priorities. And I have been doing a little bit of the action towards all of those. <laughs> 
And so I was like, no wonder your to-do list is quite vast because it's just not focused. Yes, it's so true. And again, it's like, I think that you have to give yourself credit for it. Like you really have been like in many ways being like, I have this vision and I'm going to move toward all of it. It's just, that's why it's getting hard. And I think that it's so interesting because it's one of those things where it's like different things just work for different people. Like if you're not a big vision person, then that exercise is probably like really insanely useful. If you're a big vision person, it can just like make you run off in 32 Mm -hmm. directions, right? Yeah. And the thing is, like, none of the directions you're going in are even bad directions, which I think makes it hard to, right? Like, mm. it's not like any one of those, I'm like, what are we doing? Like, scrap this. It's not <laughs> that. It's just like, we can't do them all at once. And I think yeah. that's the different thing, right? Yeah. So on the topic of big vision, obviously that was part of what I was initially talking about, but on that topic, I also think that when you are a big visionary, it can be really, really hard to have such a clear picture of what you want things to look like and not have all of it look like that right now. Like when I have clients that have that super clear vision, I notice that they have the most tension and struggle sometimes there because it does not look like that yet. And so sometimes we see the gap more fully than if we're someone that's just like, okay, I'm like next step, next thing, whatever. We don't notice the gap from where we are to where we want to be as much. When we have that incredibly clear vision of where we want to be, it is so easy to feel that gap in between. And so I'm just wanting to normalize that. It is still very helpful (laughs) to have the big vision, but that feeling of, oh, it's far and that's uncomfortable for me is completely normal. And also, you know, I think some of it is just a bit of a shift and rework of seeing how the small things lead to that. Not always the easiest, but is really important mindset work to do of like, if I get small tasks off my plate, I'm so much closer to my big vision or like, If I even start emailing my list consistently, I'm that much closer to my big vision. If I get one client, I'm closer to the hundred that I ultimately want, et cetera, et cetera. So really letting yourself see how steps you're taking now leads you to that instead of feeling like they're so separate, i.e. I have this big vision and then I have to do all of this random stuff now that feels like it takes me away from that that's where the tension builds the most, right? So if you can say, I have this really big vision and I can see how every single step I'm taking now, even if it's small, even if it's for the day-to-day stuff, gets me closer to that. And I feel like that's where some of the tension releases. And I was saying to my partner, oh, I've got a coaching session today. And he was like, okay. And I was like, I think reading Lacey's comments in Basecamp, I might have to stop doing all the things and I feel like I'm not letting go of the book and I'm not letting go of the summit and I'm not letting go of this so I could feel the, <laughs> like I, I don't want to be coached out of doing all the things <laughs> yeah so there's that as well that real kind of how do I how do I temper my impatience for everything on all fronts to be successful all at the same time with my energy level <laughs> and you know achieving some degree of excellence and then being able to go right that's done now we can move on to the next thing but I've just really noticed this week in having to order my thinking a bit more let me ask you this when you think about that like oh man like I'm gonna have to pause on some of these for a minute 
is it stressful because it feels like, but that's the path to me getting the success I want? Or is it stressful because you're like, I'm so like in excitement and inspiration around that, that the idea of putting that down feels really bad? Or like, where, where is that kind of like rub coming in? Um, I think it's that I find it quite hard to understand how people would meet my vision when only part of it's achieved. So I I tend to think about what people would see when all the pieces were together. Oh, look, Mm. here's Angie's company. She's done this and there's this and there's this and there's all that. And like, I keep trying to describe to people who don't understand me. (laughs) 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 Nobody understands how I want people to go, oh my God, like what, what does real value look like to me? It's like, you go into this library and there's just everything that you could need. Mm. And that's because that's my style. That's my kind of, I love it when I find somebody and they've got this depth of resource and intellectual property and that mm. that's just my yes. thing. Mm. But it doesn't necessarily mean that's what everybody coming towards me wants or needs. So I find it really difficult to detach from that vision of having the finished, massive, library of all things to everybody and therefore to plan what people need and believe that that's enough so if people find find me and they go oh she has a training program and she has some you know a short course online and she has a podcast and a newsletter that they're going to go wow that's enough and that I can add on the next thing. So I feel like I'm scurrying to add all the things in all at yeah. once. What would they be thinking? Like, are they thinking like, I want more, I want more books, I want more, like, what do they, what do you think they're thinking? I don't think they're thinking any of those things. I think that they're <laughs> kind of, I actually think that they're going, oh, this is good enough. This is, you know, this is great. I think sometimes there's a point where I've got to the end of the program, let's say, and people are like, so what's next? And I also didn't conceive of the, I, I somehow I thought, we, well, we would do the program and then that's it. And I kind of haven't thought at the beginning of a business that supports people for the lifetime of their business also. Yeah. And that's a new idea to me. So there's both the business that supports people for the lifetime of their business then has things that people can do one after the other after the other for however many years. I hadn't thought about that. So because of that, I'd been thinking about breadth and I'd been thinking, well, then there needs to be lots of different things. And so I'm now at this point where it's like, in my mind, I'm still in the, there needs to be lots of different things. And in reality, what clients want is, well, what's the next thing for me? It's so interesting, right? I think that that makes it all make sense. Like you just gave the perfect summary to a certain extent, which is like, you're not trying to build a business for depth or width. You're trying to build both right Mm, now. Yeah. You know? And so then the idea of giving up one thing that creates width, but one thing that creates depth, like there's a lot of tension in that because it's Mm. like, wait, but, but it needs to do (laughs) all of these things. Right. And so that just makes a ton of sense to me that that's almost the first decision we need to make. And I don't know if that feels intense. Yes, I'm assuming. (laughs) So we'll say yes. But yeah, I think we need to be like for the moment, are we going wide or are we going deep? Mm. And it doesn't mean that both don't eventually take hold in your business. Mm. But I do think that 
for right now, you need a North Star, right? Yeah. So this conversation about choosing width or depth as a focus in business, I feel it can be hard for people sometimes because the answer for most of us is like, I want both, right? Like I want to be able to go really deep with people, but I want to go wide and I want to reach a big audience. And I think that that's normal to feel that way. But I also think it's just really, really, really hard to grow initially from that place because you don't really have a North star or a focus. So you're trying to do all of it at once. And anytime we're trying to do that many things at once in business, everything moves slower, right? If we're trying to do 10 things, we're like half doing 10 things versus if we're doing three and we're doing them full out. And especially at the stage that Angie's kind of at where she's pretty overloaded with work and doesn't yet have the team support to be able to grow both from a width and from a depth perspective at the same time and have that go really, really well is just truly going to be challenging. I think it's just worth saying that. And so knowing what your goal is there and then knowing you can always expand into the rest is super helpful, right? In a lit up life, we have always, always gone depth as our focus and that's served us really well. I'm at a point in my business where if I wanted to go with, that would be really feasible for me. I don't at this moment, right? But if that desire was there, the foundation we have built with depth makes that much easier. And then actually separately in Dateable, I think that is more of a width kind of business in terms of like, I want everyone to have access to data. And that's going to be our focus where if we were offering like some super, super high level mastermind over there, I would probably change how I was operating and doing things there. So knowing your focus, growing from that place, and then knowing you can add or shift as you grow is really freeing. It's not like you're picking one thing forever, but you're picking one thing so you can see really, really good results from that one thing before you do the next. And I think that it probably is depth. I think it's depth. Yeah. I think it's like, how do I build a business that provides for people for the long term? And I think that because I also lack recurring revenue yeah. and some of that would then help me do the width stuff that just that occurred to me this evening like 10 minutes ago while I was ironing something <laughs> it's like <laughs> recurring revenue yeah that would give me a bit of a pause <laughs> and I could write the book I agree with you so much on that because I was actually thinking I think you just hit the nail on the head but I was thinking when at the end of that doc that you shared with me, you know how there were like a bench, you have like what, five like opportunities mm. on deck that you're like, I haven't even followed up with them, mm. but I'm not sure if I want to do that work. It makes sense too, because it's like, well, what's, what could that work lead to? If you did that mm. work, what mm. would that give you? What would be the next step? Would they become ongoing clients with it? And if you don't have that kind of win on the other end, it makes sense that just adding one more kind of quick mm. thing to your plate, isn't it? Versus if you add those quick things that are a funnel to longer term, bigger things, then Mm. the investment in getting that set up makes a lot of sense. But right now, if you're like, I have to email these people back and forth four times and we have to get all this stuff set up and I'm going to do it once and then that's it. Like, I can see why that feels not exciting, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, it's it's sort of overwhelming. And yeah, I know that... My clients are so loyal and like in the space that I work in, where I'm working with senior leaders, they may be on a team as a deputy head teacher or deputy principal and have received my training one year 
And then two years later, they might become a head teacher and go, right, we have this great training and this is what we need now. And so it's really, for me, yeah. it's changing the way that I think about where the funnel is, who the people are, and just acknowledging that they are so ridiculously loyal. Like people will say, oh, we, I saw you talk three years ago. Or I sat next to you at a conference seven years ago. And I'm like, how is this even possible? And that's not found, like the width kind of creation in my mind is about new people feeling because of that feeling of scarcity, like there's not enough in the current relationship that I have with people. And I think, is it more true to say you don't have enough offerings for the current yeah. people you have relationships with, right? Yeah. I kind of have this big band of, so my revenue at the moment, what I didn't put on that list was what I actually made in this quarter either. So I just gave you a list of things I've done, but it was healthy quarter but it's because I'm doing kind of big blocks of work for very few clients yeah and then there are all of those people who are the loyal individuals that don't I don't really have anything for and they they are often the people that are saying to their head teacher or to their CEO oh I've been following this woman Angie for three years and I really think that our school needs to do this they're doing all of the legwork of selling my work to their to their bosses so and I give them nothing I give them crumbs. <laughs> I give them the odd newsletter, basically. It's so interesting because what I really want to reflect to you is for most people, that's the dream, is that other people are selling on their behalf. Other people are so moved by their work that they're doing the selling for them. And I feel like it's so easy in our online space to get caught up in believing the opposite is true. That like the Holy grail is like bigger audience, more Mm. width, hundreds of thousands of followers (laughs) on Instagram, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. And it's like, this is the actual dream for Mm. many people, which is like people that love your work so much that like, you don't even have to sell, they do it for you. Mm. And I'm not saying you have to rely on that entirely, but I am saying like, that's just a completely uncapitalized on piece of your business Mm, right now. Yeah, yeah. So it makes sense to be like, let's go there first. Let's go deep first. Then when you have space, team, time, energy from that, go wide. I think that's a totally different story, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think that really nurturing the people, (laughs) the the individuals – has been something that I have felt like I haven't got time for in a way. Like, what do they need? What do they want? What supports them? in? And, and that's because the way that I've kind of planned my business has been from the middle. So the, yeah. the program that I offer is right in the middle. I've developed something that can be offered at that level above that, that I offer to groups of schools, but I haven't yet found the right thing and I can't I just haven't had it. So I guess I've been doing one-to-one coaching, but it's not necessarily related to diversity, equity, inclusion. And I think it also feels good to me to be connected to, or for the business to be connected to the individuals who are also doing this work. It actually makes me feel good. There's a lot of love for the work from people who don't yet have the leverage to do it. And there's a lot of kind of, oh, if I was in charge of this place, this is what I would do. And I feel like they need to be also developed and and kind of trained and nurtured to become the people that make the sorts of decisions that their CEOs take months to, yeah. to come to. But one thing that would be really interesting, I haven't got into Datable yet, 
but I have I am able to say it this week. You are. So. Yes, nailed it. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> but one thing I think is would be interesting is how many of my clients have come from an individual who's in the team who said, I've seen this woman talk or I've been following her for a while. Because just off the top of my head, I think it's the majority, which is go. really interesting. Yeah. yeah. I think that tells you what you need to know for right now, at mm. least. Again, like you've built a really successful business off of just that and off of not even trying to make that happen. Right. And so if mm. we can be a little more intentional about that while we're building up the team and system side, and then you have like those relationships plus team and systems, then we can go wide like all day long. Right. Yeah. But right now it's hard to go wide when you don't have the team and system support, mm. but it also doesn't make sense when you have all of these unrealized opportunities mm. sitting here that are maybe an email away. Kind of mm. thing, right. Yeah. Yeah. So something that I hear a lot is this idea that like, if you're building your business just off of like connections and relationships and referrals and stuff like that, it's not viable or sustainable. And I just literally could not disagree with that more. <laughs> building a business off relationships actually can be incredibly viable and sustainable because that's all you're doing anywhere else too. Like, what are you actually doing on social media by building a following? You're building people that you have connection and relationships with, right? What are you doing by emailing about a big list? You're trying to build connection and relationships so that they purchase, right? So this is viable and sustainable. I'm not saying that it's the only strategy you would ever try, but so many people give up on that strategy when it's working really, really well because they think something else is better or they think that's like the wrong way to do it. And I've seen a lot of really, really successful businesses. And I'm talking like not, not small businesses. Like I can think of one of my clients who built entirely off of relationships and had a half a million dollar a year business. And that's, I'm, I'm being generous. Like it was actually a little bit more of it for the sake of not having to remember that exact number. Right? So just remember like, yes, there is more you can add again, just like we're saying, sometimes you can choose depth and then go with it, et cetera, but don't give up on that strategy too early or too quickly because it can give you an incredibly successful and viable business with also with great profit margins, by the way, that can you know, sustain you for years and years and years. And so just wanting to say like, let's not make that wrong. Are there other options on deck? Absolutely. But that's a really, really good one. And I would love to see more people leaning into that and not making that a problem. So the question then is what do I offer them? <laughs> yeah, totally. And yeah. I would actually ask you the question of what do you already have to mm. offer them? So I've just been recording the, the short course version of the program and it's six sessions. And rather than the, the session that we deliver online, there's two, two and a half, two hours. And that's really designed for teams to engage with these issues together. Yeah. This is a version that has a workbook that's designed for individuals and it, the content is slightly different, not very different, but there is, you know, it's much more focused on individuals. So when <laughs> I somewhat underestimated, I was like, it takes me about an hour and a half to record each session. It took me four hours today to record yeah. one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Once I've done those six, I have that as a program and it's currently, I'm recording it at the moment because it's currently part of the offer for at the top level. So if okay. a multi-academy trust books me, 
then they get that those six sessions of training for all of their teaching staff mm-hmm. available for the year. So okay. it's a bit of a weird one because it, it, if I were to offer it at that level, that kind of beginning of yes. funnel level, then I would be under what's the word undercutting myself if I continue to offer it at the trust level because their organization would already have bought it for them if that makes sense yes it does let me ask you this with just like some of the opportunities on here the like 25 school group you know that's interested Mm -hmm. things like that like does it feel like it makes sense to pursue these before you even think of creating something else or is there something about pursuing these that feels off or like it doesn't lead to more of what you want? So I can't remember what I put on that list. There was the individual training and the... Yeah, there was like the publishing company. There's like this school oh, yeah. group. Yeah. Like the school in Singapore, like different things like that. Yeah. I just feel like the... So for example, the publishing thing, it's just a bit random because it's not... I'd have to create something for them. It's not typical of the inquiries that I get. There are things that I'm not pursuing that I think I could be more strategic about. So I can't really put into words what it is that puts me off. I think it's because I feel like the whole online business thing is always about having very clear, like there's this yeah, yeah, and then yeah. there's this and there's this. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it just feels like it's a bit muddled to keep responding to each individual thing and doing something slightly different so I'm constantly trying to get people into the things that I have so if you make an inquiry then you need to come and join the program I think you need this or if you're making an inquiry for a group of schools you kind of need this the truth is it doesn't always work because people don't necessarily always need the same things in that way here's what comes up for me Feel free to not like this as a thought, but here's the thought I'm having, like the publishing example, right? Like say you create something for them that I imagine based on the little bit that I read about that is like, it would almost be a little bit more individual for like a person versus Mm. like a school, Mm. right? Can you get paid to create something that then is something else Mm. that you sell ongoing? Mm. So it's like, instead of us separately being like, okay, Angie, like you should go create this thing. Mm -hmm. And then you'd have to like find the time to create that thing. And mm-hmm. it's technically unpaid work until it is and all of that. Like, I'm kind of like, how do we leverage some of these mm. where you get paid to create curriculum that then lives on in yeah. other ways? Yeah. So then you will feel like you can show up with more excellence, number one, but number yeah. two, so that like you are kind of building that depth, mm. but it's not like one and done. It's mm. like every like nuanced thing is sort of like an opportunity to be like, I either have something like that or I can tweak something like that or I'm building something that Mm. then lives on. I don't know what you think about that. I was thinking about that with one of the things in there that I thought, oh, actually this applies to quite a few individuals who might be working in in organizations like schools. And then I get a bit, (laughs) because I, you know, I'm multi-passionate. So I don't know exactly which one to choose as the, this is the thing that I'm offering all people at this level. So do you think that I should have something that's like the one thing that I offer an individual, let's say, I don't know, school teacher, like senior leader, or do you think there could be many things based off of the kinds of inquiries I get that are offered do you see what I mean? Do you think it should just be like one program or there are several at a similar price point? 
I think that the answer is it depends on the stage of business you're in, to mm. be perfectly honest. Like right now, I can see why it makes sense to to kind of more say we sort of have one offer and yeah. then otherwise we're like maybe willing to do ad hoc depending mm. on your time, your energy, what they're asking for, what makes mm. sense, et cetera. But as you build out more things, I don't think it's bad to have multiple options. Like mm. I think Again, I would be careful to listen too much to like this service-based coaching business mm. advice because while you do have a service-based and somewhat coaching business, I think you have a very different market, mm. right? Where like actually your market is like probably their school is paying for it. So yeah. having a multitude of like price points and options could actually be valuable. It's not yeah. like one person who's just like overwhelmed and confused and doesn't mm. know where to start mm. and da da da. It's like someone who's like, hey, we have X amount in our budget for my professional development on this. This opportunity feels like the best fit. So I kind of think like that's maybe what we'd like to build toward. Mm -hmm. But I also think like I say that with a lot of caution (laughs) of you wanting to go build all of that in the next 48 hours. (laughs) So I've been in base camp. We've got 95 courses. Don't let me see a list about the five (laughs) courses that you're building. But, but I do think like, again, for like what, what kind of like audience we're talking about and who is the actual buyer of your stuff, having some options that aren't just like one and done, I do think makes sense. And I also think, again, I think you can get paid to create those, you know? Yeah. I think you're right. Okay. Let's actually try to go more narrow than big because they think that we don't need more like, you know, overwhelm right now. What I would say is you have one, two, three, four. You have five inquiries from the last two weeks. (laughs) I'm guessing more by the face you just made. So I think if we could go through those and be like, what would I create here? And do I have something that already serves this? Or is there something I would get paid to create that serves another purpose? And if it hits one of those, great, let's maybe move forward with it. If it hits neither of those, then we can almost like take it off the list and get narrowed in. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. And then another thing I really see being a win here, which I think we can just circle back to once you get your OBM in place too, is us getting like a little time on your calendar once other things come off your plate for just that ongoing relationship building, that email where you just reach out to someone and say like, hey, how have you been? Hey, what's going on in your school? Hey, how have you guys been doing with X, Y, Z thing? Like, I don't think that has to happen this week, but I think that like we can just say like, okay, that's some of the vision is like the more an OBM takes off your plate, the more you have time for that, you know? Yeah. (laughs) I was just looking at the five things. I was like, oh yeah. They're kind of good, right? I still haven't gone back to them, but they are quite good. So that'll be it. Like, right? Like, obviously that doesn't take care of all the projects on your mind right now, but it gives you like one thing to work through this week and you're continuing the OBM search. So if that's all we do is like respond to these inquiries, figure out what's a yes and what's a no and get, you know, the team stuff rolling, that's enough, you know? Yeah, that's good. I'm not thinking about pricing right now because this is really something that also trips me up is where the pricing of everything just feels a bit random. I think I mentioned that in one of the documents I sent you. So it's not, it's, it doesn't feel random, but I just think that there's something about working out what that, if I were to choose one of these five things to respond to, to develop something, 
where that sits in the current pricing, I think is something that I want to look at in another session. Yes. Perfect. And actually that's even more helpful because if we can have almost like the compare and contrast thing, like I have this, but they need this, where does this fall? I actually think that's really useful. So we could table that for next time, but I think that that's a hundred percent like next steps too, because you also want to make sure that whatever you're pitching, even if you are like doing it to create something else, that it feels worth it to you. Because if not, you're going to keep avoiding, you know what I mean? Yeah. Great. Good. Okay. So the other thing that feels important to chat about, you tell me if this, if this feels good today, but we were kind of talking about like past support, feeling supported, self-trust. Like, I feel like there was like such a good conversation going on about that. And I also wanted to just like, thank you for sharing that with me. Cause I think sometimes it can be weird to be like, here's this thing I have coming up. But like, I think you did a really good job of being like, here's this thing that I can see how it's holding me back right now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's good to talk about. So I know when we first started, before we first started working, I was saying to you, actually, I was in another coaching program and I really wanted to work with you one-to-one anyway. And then I joined this coaching program. And one of the things I was saying was that I felt like I need one-to-one support because I wasn't getting what I needed out of the group. Yeah. Which had only just started. And I think just looking at the the last few months, the, the kind of level of relief that I had when I won the golden ticket, <laughs> which always makes me want to sing, is around the sort of, it's the balance, the balancing factor to the level of disappointment I felt when I had started this group program. And I kind of, I wrote to you just in Basecamp to say that I think I'm carrying a lot of, it's actually, it's like malaise, it's like grief. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. sadness and and also just shame around having made such a big investment in coaching and then it not working out and it happened so immediately that I joined the group that I thought oh shit I've done it again and there have been times when I haven't been able to afford the thing I've wanted and I've spent money and it's like oh no it wasn't as like I kind of knew it wasn't going to be as good as it as it said it was going to be and I spent the money anyway yeah 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 and there have been things that I have not that just haven't worked for me so part of this is also tied to me having a narrative about you always make shit investments in things like you always just mm. go gung-ho like this is going to be the one this is going to be the thing and then it doesn't work out and then you feel let down and it's also tied to me thinking nothing's ever good enough and so this kind of mm. excellence thing is it yeah. just me? Is it just that I will never be satisfied? Or is it just shit? <laughs> and I think there's something about the industry as well, which is like, if things aren't working, then you're somehow to blame as the, as yes. the person who's paying. <laughs> and I guess it's also tied to my feeling of absolute horror if a client gets in touch and says that they haven't had the experience that they really wanted. So I'm super diligent about the experience that people have, I get really worried that I'm going to get things wrong. I really, you know, I, I try not to let it cripple me, but I do take it quite seriously. I do take it really seriously, the, the relationship and the experience they have. So I guess I just wanted to be really upfront about that shamey lack of trust in my ability to invest properly, feeling that I was dragging through <laughs> into a lit up life. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> because it, it feels really present and it, it feels much better for having said it out loud but yeah it's been really really hard to reconcile that investment and try not to talk about it out loud with anyone <laughs> yes oh my gosh 100 and again I think that this is sometimes where like 
the like underbelly of the industry is because it's this, it is that it's like guilt and shame. I did it wrong. So then I don't want to talk about it. I mm. want to avoid. Mm. And that's how it gets perpetuated yeah. kind yeah. of thing. So I yeah. think it's like very helpful to have that conversation. I have like a couple questions on it. Like one is when you made that investment, what was the intention behind it? Like, do you feel like you were making it from like a really like, oh my God, fine. This is the thing kind of place. Or mm. do you feel like it was like, it really was like with correct intention. It just really did not meet those expectations or like what, how did you like enter it? I think I've been in the, in this person's space for a while, sort of in terms of like, you know, just consuming their material. And I think that I had a lot of awareness of the current situation of like I'm sort of I am scaling there's a lot of moving parts my income is at this level and it would be really good to be around people who are in a similar situation and I feel like I could benefit because it's so difficult to find it like finding a one-to-one coach a business coach is just like you know who knows what's going to work and I think I was diligent enough about the investment and about what I thought I was going to get from it And I think I'm just, I think there's something I've done, which is equate the ticket price with quality. Mm. And it doesn't necessarily mean anything. I mean, it's another one of those things that's just like, well, yeah, but we can just charge whatever we like in this industry. Anyone can charge whatever they like. It means nothing for the actual quality of what you're going to get. And I've been in groups, group spaces before that have been really great for the period of time that I was in at the moment. And I think one of the things I was a little bit eyes closed about just because it was convenient to me because I wasn't, you know, I couldn't, <laughs> it's your fault, Lacey. I couldn't work with you. <laughs> you're, you're, <laughs> this one's really me. Let's just blame me. I think that I that's think the way to this go. This is basically, <laughs> I lost 25K because of your waiting list. Yep. And hear so... <laughs> It was, there was like, oh, this, this person and, and, you know, lots of people around this person have had great success. They've been at a similar point. So there's a lot of allure, but also if I'm honest, I know that a group hasn't always been the best way for me to yeah. get what I need out of something. So I, I have to take a bit of responsibility for that container, like really being clear about the container I needed and probably holding out and waiting for the the right thing. But there's a bit of desperation, isn't there, when you then when you actually have the money to invest and you're ready to do all the things, and it's like, okay, I have the opportunity now. <laughs> I'm just gonna take the plunge. Something that I hear in what you're saying, though, just because I know a little bit more context, obviously, of some specifics, mm. but like the thing that I heard you say just now is like thinking about being in a container with other people and connecting and having at least like, I don't think I heard you say like I went in expecting one-on-one coaching or I expected that level of support. I think you expected a lot more connection in that way. And then like knowing what that initial experience was like and not having any of that and kind of not being recognized and not having any of that. Like that makes sense to me. Like I, I think that you probably would feel very differently if that kind of like desire for like connection and community had been satisfied Mm. in that, right? I just appreciate Angie so much here for talking about that grief and shame that we can experience over investments that don't work out. I think that is 
such a normal experience in entrepreneurship, whether it was like an investment in a coach or in a program, or even like, you know, outside of online business, say it was in like a building or, you know, say it was even in a team member. Like there are so many ways that this happens for all of us. And I don't think any of us kind of like, you know, get through this game of entrepreneurship without coming to some point of feeling grief and shame over an investment that did not play out how we thought it was going to play out. But I also think that in the online space, there's so much kind of like noise around how we're not supposed to feel like that or how if we didn't get the most out of an investment, it's always our fault. And so then I think it adds this extra layer of grief and shame, you know, apart from what's already there. And I think we can be really, really afraid to name it, speak about it. But if we don't, it's going to come into our next investment. So the fact that Angie is willing to name this here in session two is so useful for our coaching overall, because if not, and if she keeps kind of pushing that down, like it will still impact our coaching, right? It's just whether or not that's out in the open and we can say it and we can name it. So really just wanting to normalize this for people. I think this truly does happen in some version to almost all of us. And yes, we will probably experience the guilt and shame of that, the grief of that. But if we can stop ourselves from adding to that by feeling super wrong about it, or by feeling like no one else experiences that, that is a win. And I think that there is also this thing about excellence and like, hearing you know in around the space that's the only differentiating factor that we really have is people saying yes I provide this level of excellence some people don't yes. say that that's not part of their promise but for me yes. it's really important in terms of my values so I am always moving towards people that say this is what you can expect this is the kind of quality you can expect so, so to not receive that is like a double blow for me and then there is something else that I feel like I really am and I've said this in the communication I've had with them about the, those experiences, is that as, you know, the coaching industry is full of women anyway, and we're all coaching people into, well, I feel like I'm coaching people into sovereignty. How can we yes. be more powerful? How can we express ourselves? Like all of this noise about the importance of women being in the industry to then find oneself in a space in which when you try to say those things, mm. you're shut down. I just find it outrageous. Like it's gas, it's so gaslighty. And I just think there needs to be a level of, of self-awareness when people are paying 25K to do things, when people are paying 18,000 pounds to join programs, you have to be aware that you cannot then be anti-sovereignty. That's the whole point of the industry is to like empower people to do things, to speak things, to say things. So I'm like doubly annoyed <laughs> that I then find myself in the situation and then it's flipped like the arch gaslighting, like, sorry to say it but manipulative relationships that I've had already enough in my life it's flipped mm. to mean that it's my problem somehow that I'm not getting what I like I'm not showing up ready welcome to, to Angie's <laughs> TED talk like yes that gave me goosebumps I think you're so right I think it's like it's not like you were on that live stream the other day. Remember yeah. when Jess said that beautiful phrase of like honoring the weight of the commitment, yes. right? Yeah. And that's what came up for me. And what you're saying is like the the weight of the commitment was big for you. It was $25,000. Mm. It was much of your time and energy. It was blocked off days. It yeah. was like all of this stuff, right? Yeah. And then to be met with like, 
little to no response slash most of the response being like, it's your problem, not ours. Is literally wild, right? It really is. And so I kind of feel like I need to, I need to out that bit of me that's so indignant. Yeah. And, Mm -hmm. and so, and just to notice, like I'm pretty powerful. I'm pretty able to, you know, kind of say say what I want to say, but just to witness how I would first of all go to, oh, I'm just not the kind of person who can some like there's something wrong with me because I'm not doing the hooray, this is amazing, you're amazing <laughs> feedback, like echo chamber. Like that yep. becomes my problem. And I feel like it's a, such a good learning point around how we take feedback and how we gather feedback and why we want feedback from our clients and and, and how that feedback is put to good use. And this is me trying to make the best of blowing 25 grand. It's so good for me to learn. I actually feel like what might be good for you here. And I mean, listen, you don't even have to have a takeaway now of like why it was good necessarily. But I think that like almost like the permission to be mad because you have a reason Mm. to be mad. Yeah. Right. Like I think it's like I'm mad. So I must shift. I'm mad. So I have to figure Mm. out my takeaway. I'm mad. So I have to figure out. Like, what in me? Blah, blah, blah. Mm. Right? Do you know what I mean? Mm. And I think it's just like, I'm mad because I fucking have a reason to be mad. It's like really freeing, right? I talked about this a bit in the last clip-in, but what I really want to talk about here is that sometimes we're just allowed to be mad. (laughs) We're allowed to be mad when we have a reason to be mad, right? We're allowed to feel those emotions. I think that there's way too much kind of of a narrative in our space that like if you are ever mad it's because you're triggered and it's your problem that certainly can be true many of the reasons we get mad are because we possess triggers that create that in us but also sometimes a normal human emotion of being mad is okay and the idea that we'll make that wrong in any case or we'll always 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 kind of be like it's your trigger there's something wrong with you is so unfortunate and it makes this so challenging to work through instead of being like oh well i'm mad because i paid for something that i didn't get it's okay to be mad or i'm mad right like i'm allowed to feel that emotion you know and i think that there's just something really beautiful in giving ourselves that permission i think especially as women we are often not welcome to feel angry or mad or frustrated and i think just being like oh that emotion is welcome too just like all the others and it makes sense right like if i have this experience that you know, would create that feeling in me instead of trying to be like, I'm not supposed to feel that feeling. What if I was just like, I trust myself to feel this emotion. I trust myself that it's safe to be mad. Like it's amazing how much better we feel in the process, how much more we can advocate for ourselves, how much more empowered we feel because we allow it instead of because we push it away or make ourselves wrong. Yeah, just writing that little piece I sent you yesterday or the day before yesterday. It opened up another layer of, I'm not happy about this. So I'm continuing the the conversation with the people about it. And I think, you know, there is a sort of self-righteous bit about it. It's my experience hasn't been good. There's also just a fucking moral compass bit about it that I'm, Jesus, I'm like, imagine if you're a single parent who wasn't earning what I'm earning and you're, and like, there are so many people putting so much money into these programs 
and they yep. don't have the means to kind of keep the wheels on. I'm like, yep. seriously, this is not okay. People have to stop and they have to really stop blaming themselves and panicking about why they're not making their investment back and think it's such a hard leap to make when you've invested that much to go back to maybe I got it wrong maybe this program can't do this maybe this person isn't going to deliver that it's so hard to kind of unbrainwash yourself when you have brainwashed yourself to that level of commitment and I I kind of feel for that those people in that situation right now 100%. And you know, it's so interesting. I love to like talk about, well, there's two things I want to know a little bit more. One is like, what can I do different? That doesn't lead you to a similar experience. But two is maybe the takeaway for you is like, you aren't actually missing something. Mm. Like I think you actually do bring excellence to what you do. You actually do kind of know what you should be doing. You're just overwhelmed in the doing of it. And again, it doesn't Mm. mean you can't have support or community or any of those things. But I do think that sometimes it's easy to pedestal a person or a Mm. program as solution Mm. versus program person is support. You know what I mean? And I think that is like an interesting thing here is like back to that deeper self-trust piece of like, you actually do know how to do this. The fact that you've brought your business to multiple five-figure months, like, Mm. and figured this out, like there is not a gap in knowledge at this moment right yeah yeah and I think having the just recognizing that this was meant to be support and then there's a level like maybe there's just an overestimation of what the support can be from certain spaces as well yeah totally so in answer to your question about what you can do differently I mean you're already doing it and that's (laughs) Partly because you're brilliant, but also because of the container, right? Because <laughs> this, sure, yes, this totally. one-to-one is is completely different anyway. But I think for me, it's about attention to detail. And because, you know, one of the things that you've said twice in the, the two sessions, like before we met and also the session we had is the, that you're, I think you said in the mud, but I don't want to say yes, that. Yes, a dirt person. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think there's a point at which the level of support that you're getting as a business owner needs to feel like and this is how I feel already with you that I'm right there like I can see the things that you're talking about not this sort of general because I'm already general I'm already like a million things up in the sky like all these general things so the support that I need is the tethering and the like let's just hang on a minute let's just go back into this fine detail because it helps me think I've been heard and one of the frustrating and worrying things about starting a business on your own is like I don't I mean I think I know what I'm doing but I might not know what I'm doing and if somebody isn't hearing me and they're going yeah 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 all fine yeah looks great like apply this random strategy over here then it's for me it's like well this feels like me plus me kind of making it up and not no one's really paying attention to what I'm saying so for me it's like I'm happy to be told whoa that's way in the wrong direction or that sounds really off beam or that sounds exactly right or for somebody to remember oh we talked about this three sessions ago and you said this thing is really important to me because it helps me feel like I'm tethered to some kind of reality that someone else is tracking I mean listen I don't think you're reaching for the stars like what I'm hearing is like you want to be coached (laughs) (laughs) oh that's what that is 
Right? Like, I don't, like, these don't feel outrageous. These don't feel like, you know, I think, because honestly, it is possible to do that even in a group container if you're really like paying attention and keeping track and being diligent. So I think that that's something that's, you know, worth noting that I don't think you're reaching for the stars. So what I know I can do is support you in that. But what I also want you to know is that if I'm ever not, Mm -hmm. your feedback is welcome on that too. It's not something I'm uninterested in. It's something I'm very interested in. So let's, you know, remember that. So something I want to say here is about why I asked, what can I do differently, right? This isn't about the way I do it being right or someone else being wrong. This is about knowing that my job is to learn about and support the person in front of me. That I'll do all day long, right? It's not like she is a bad coach and I am a good coach or anything like that, right? It's about this person in front of me who it is my job to support is telling me that something about a previous experience felt very unsupportive. How could I not take that opportunity to learn from it? How could I not ask that question? I think that so many people are almost like freaked out if somebody says they've had a bad experience with a coach, but I think the actual important part behind that is like, what actually happened there? What does that mean? What would you need from me that's different? And not being afraid to go there and ask that. Because sure, sometimes I might have a bad experience with a coach that, you know, was maybe all my stuff, you know, that certainly happens, right? But it's not all that happens, you know? In this case, you know, I had a bad experience with a coach because I paid for something that was not delivered on is is part of that story. But also, you know, we got a lot more of the story out of it of like the type of support she's wanting and the depth she's looking for and all of that, that really is so useful for me as someone that's gonna support her to learn from. And again, not from a place of like, oh great, I'm better, but from a place of, Ooh, this is information that's going to make our work together so much better if I know. So how can I lean into asking and learning from this? That is the key. And I wish we could do that with all of our clients because when we can, our ability to support them grows so much more fully. My, you know, assignment, if you want to call it that to you this week, if that feels good is to maybe you just write a like, I'm so fucking mad that list and just let yourself go there, let yourself get it out and just name that instead of that internal battle of like, I have something to feel shame over. It's like, what if I just named what I'm mad at? And then like, we'll see how that conversation continues and we'll go from there. But I think that might be helpful. What do you think? Perfect. Yeah, I'll do that. I can so do that. (laughs) Amazing. Okay. You do that. You let me know about those kind of inquiries and we will talk those out, finish OBM process and go from there. Does that sound good? Perfect. Yeah. Great. Amazing, my dear. All right. It was so good to talk to you. I'll talk to you soon. Yeah, you too. Bye. Bye, Lacey. Thank you for listening to Literally. I am forever grateful to you for being part of our journey and spending your time with us each week. I would love to hear your thoughts on the podcast, so please leave us a review. Each month, I'll be picking a reviewer to give my MSC bundle to as a thank you for listening. This bundle combines trainings and workbooks that walk you through a condensed version of the work I do with my one-on-one clients through my mindset strategy and execution framework. And remember, sharing is caring. If you know someone who'd benefit from this podcast on their own entrepreneurial journey, please share it with them. What I know we need more of in this world is women living lit up lives and running businesses they love and are beautifully compensated for. 
And if you want more tips and strategies for growing and scaling your own business but are short on time, then you're going to want to opt into my private podcast feed, Back Pocket Business Mentor. You'll get immediate access to a private podcast feed full of tons of three minute episodes where I talk about everything from how to pick a strategy and business model that works for you to how to show up online as an expert and increase your conversions. Just go to a lituplife.com forward slash back pocket to dive in.